another episode of Kitchen Conversation with James and Rama. My name is James. Introduce yourself, Rama. My name is Rama. And on this episode of Kitchen Conversation, we're going to be talking about what we look for when we make a purchase as we consider value for money. So what does value for money mean for you, Rama? Ah, For me, value for money really means, um, I guess, you're getting exactly what you pay for or potentially more yeah. what you pay for. Uh, and I think value for money, it means different things to different people. Mm. But in my case, I'm talking about value for money when, you know, your budget does have a limit, you know, when yeah. price actually and, and how much you can spend is a consideration. Because obviously mm-hmm. this topic probably won't apply to some people that don't have a limit to their spending. Because, uh, yeah, that, those, that, that, that's a different uh, consideration altogether. Yeah. So, James, uh, let's start with an example. Um, let's just say a laptop, yeah. right? And we're talking about value for money for laptops. So, yes, you can go out and buy a laptop for $600, I'm pretty sure these mm-hmm. days, right? Yeah. Nice, cheapo, uh, plastic, and it will work. It'll have all the, you know, the standard mm-hmm. operating system, but... When you think about value for money, so how many years do you reckon you could use a laptop for before it becomes, uh, I guess, challenging to use? Yeah, like I'd probably, if I got a $600 laptop, I'm not sure if it would last me six to 12 months. Um, just in terms of what I would expect, it like how fast I would want my laptop to run with how fast it would read and write, how fast it would open programs, how yes. often programs potentially crash. At six hundred dollars, I think I'd be quite frustrated. Yeah, and, by and I a think slow computer. Also, it's all about the the, I guess your use case, right? Mm. For somebody like a student who's literally going to just be typing uh, and writing, making word documents, potentially yeah. yes, it'll it'll work. Mm-hmm. But even so, with the way that the operating or the, the companies who make operating systems and and software, they're never gonna go and and you know. Uh, I guess, limit their software so that it runs on these type of machines, right? Um, Even, for example, something as simple as Windows, it continually Mm. uh, improves itself uh, with updates and then the updates tend to uh, reduce the performance when when running on a a very low-powered system. Mm. Because again, so for me, it's all that all takes into consideration in terms of your use case, uh, how long you're going to use it for, and um, also, you know, how much you got to spend. So when you think mm. about all that and put it all together, sometimes a, you know, a $3,000 laptop, actually it's more better value for money than a $600 mm. laptop, depending on your use case, isn't it? Definitely. And even like how many years worth of use you get out of it. Yeah. Like I've looked at when Windows, I think Windows 10 ends end of life is either 2024 or 2025. And it's like, oh, do I need to do an upgrade to be on Windows 11 once Windows 10's finished? Ah, oh, what would that look like? What does value for money mean? But potentially the current desktop PC I'm on, I'd be getting maybe nine years out of it by that time. And how long have you got out of your current laptop, Rama? Yeah, so this one I got currently is a 2014 model. So that's a, what, seven years life? Seven year old. Um, and you know what, this laptop brand new was about three and a half thousand dollars, right? Cause it was the 15 inch top end yep. i7 model, but you know, think about it divided by seven, um, that's $500 a year. Yeah. So had I gone back then and bought, bought a 500 laptop, 
it would not last me a year probably you know what i mean yeah. like and even in that year i would not be happy using it yet this laptop the first year i had it it was fantastic it was top of the line so it was yeah. like the best thing you could get at the time and correct and uh, second year third year fourth year uh, performed uh, relatively well i mean it does help that I got a Mac, which means Apple tend to do support, um, yeah. tend to support their older hardware till a certain year. Mm-hmm. And this year is the first year, or the next of, um, version of um, Mac OS is the first version that this laptop is not compatible with. So finally, yeah. Apple, after seven years, stopped supporting this particular hardware, which is yeah. great. But can you imagine if I bought a laptop, uh, a five hundred laptop in twenty fourteen? Mm. You reckon I can still run Windows 10 smoothly in in the current Windows 10 upgrading you know, to what is it? Two H two. What is it? Yeah, I can't remember the, the model of, of the current That's Windows right 10. 20H2, I think it's 20H2, that right? right? Yeah. That so right. try to run 20H2 on a 2014 laptop. I don't think it's gonna run. <laughs> yeah. Almost. How, how many blue screen errors are you going to get stuck getting from like yeah. driver incam- incompatibility? Oh, exactly. Or... And and the components that yeah. the uh, manufacturer would have put in there, but potentially um, the uh, vendor would have support uh, stopped supporting it. Yeah. So if it will say, let's just say, you know, I don't know, what's a standard cheap laptop with like a HP, right? A mm-hmm. HP consumer, 600 bucks. Um, you know, the say, for example, because a lot of these laptops, um, they buy parts from other companies. So yeah. Potentially, you know, real tech would have stopped making or updating the sound card driver, for example, yeah. or you know, Synaptics would have stopped making the uh, the touchpad driver. You know, yeah. like where with macOS, because Apple controls it end to end, everything within that laptop is supported until the version that they yeah. say, "All right, you know what?" And the next, uh, what's the next one? Monterey. OS ten Mon- uh, macOS Monterey. So ne- that is the next um, macOS and they say my laptop is not supported. So of course, the drivers and the hardware mm. within this particular model is not going to be updated. But it's fine because yeah. they've already clearly said it after seven years. Uh-huh. But you can't guarantee that on a six hundred uh-huh. laptop. Yeah, and compared to like those cheaper end, like once the update happens, if those drivers aren't working, all of a sudden you might have no sound, a sticky touchpad, or a touchpad not working, or if it's a graphics card thing, no screen. We've, yeah. I remember we've seen that one happen in, in practice. <laughs> so, is, yeah. So yeah, we, we, if you think about it, like, so when we talk about value for money, yeah, $3,000 sounds like a lot, but if it's going to mm. last you seven years, yeah. then it's actually cheaper than, yeah, spending, say, even if you spend $1,200 mm. on something, yet that's only going to last you three years, right? So, yeah. you know, so it's, you know, it, it all comes down to uses so, of, Laptop is a good example of that. Definitely. Um, yeah, I sorry. Think, I think phones are as well. Like now that I have less of a discretionary impact income, now that I'm married, have responsibilities like rent to pay, and I can't just go and save up for the latest and greatest in tech, each new iPhone release, I'm like, ooh, do I really need that new iPhone? Is it worth the money? Is the leap in performance worth what I'd have to pay for it? And even this year... I upgraded, but I spent a whole bunch of Qantas points, not real dollars, because I wanted the upgrade and I was sitting on like a million Qantas points, not, and it's, you can't, yeah, you, I can take Qantas points to Qantas, but I can't take Qantas points to the bank in terms of um, getting value for money. So I thought, oh, I might be able to get better flights if I wanted to, but no one's flying anywhere really at the moment. Um with coming out of lockdown, 
it was 20% off based on your use of Qantas points. How often do you get a discount on Apple products? So I took the jump and got an iPhone 12 Pro Max um, with Qantas points. But the it felt like value for money because I had a discount. I was using Qantas points I'd already earned. I only really had to pay real Australian dollars, real money for like the case and a screen protector and Apple Care Plus. There you go. And and like if you, if you think about it, I mean, as you know, the airlines are probably notorious to um, devalue their points yep. um, every couple of years anyway. So you know mm-hmm. what? Your 1 million points might not be worth as much in two years' time when we do actually probably will fly exactly. freely again um, around, you know, wherever your destination is going to be. So mm-hmm. do you, you might as well take advantage of it now, right? So yep. yeah, that, that completely makes sense to me. So yeah, it's impressive that you're sitting on a million points. That's amazing. Oh, the strategic accumulation of credit card deal, credit card offer, linking, yeah, different things. Yeah, the other thing I think about with value for money for wine, I used to sit there buying wine on Qantas Wine. I'd be like, if I buy this case of wine, I can get 20,000 bonus points or 15,000 or 8,000. Okay. What's the dollar value of the case of wine? divide that the total points by so I get like points per dollar so then I look at the cases of wine and get the highest points per dollar so that I get the biggest return on Qantas points based on the money that I'm spending to use in the future correct so, so doing the mathematical yeah, yeah. things like that exactly so again yeah so when we talk about value for money um and look you know what there, there is a place for you know cheap you know uh, disposable stuff yes of course, you know, uh, I think we, we, when we talked about it uh, before we, we started recording, mm. um, for example, if you're going to, if you need a kitchen utensil that you're going to use once because you want to try cooking something, um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and you don't know whether you're going to continue doing that same thing yeah. in, in over and over again in the next couple of years, why would you spend, you know, $100 on a really good pan or $100 on a really good, um, I don't know, skillet or something if mm. you're going to try Buy something cheap, you know, five, yeah. ten bucks. If you know, and hopefully, if, if you burn it, you can pin mm-hmm. it. And then uh, next time, if you go, you know what, I would like yeah. doing that. I want to continue doing that. You can then go mm-hmm. and spend the big money. But imagine you go and buy a hundred dollars skillet, and then you end up sitting in your cupboard, you know, collecting dust. And uh, fun- what is it? F- funny story about that. Now that you bring <laughs> up an uh, iron skillet, so the story goes: there was this Kickstarter project, Australian made. Sucked me in, cast iron skillet that you had to season, last a lifetime. It's like an heirloom kind of item that you can hold on to with seasons cast iron that would last a generation. It's got embossed on the handle of this product the date that it was made so that your kids and your grandkids can see how long this cast iron skillet has been in the family. Okay. was the sales pitch. It was great. Then I realized just like how little ventilation our apartment has. So the thing about cast iron and the stovetop we have, it smokes the oil you need to season it. And because there's no ventilation, we are going to set off the fire alarm every single time we use it. <laughs> so it's just sitting there in a cupboard gathering dust until we can afford to buy something with better ventilation yeah, in Australia. <laughs> Place with a range hood or something. Yeah. So yeah. I thought it was great value for money at the time, but it's sitting there and it's just a really nice, expensive cooking paperweight at the moment because um, it's not practical to use. 
until yeah. we get like a nice heavy range hood that sucks the smoke out. I don't know. I guess like it is what that's what it comes to it. Like it's it's all about. I think yeah, the, the formula is what you know, cost divided by length of use, mm. right? Yeah. And then you got sort of the. I guess I don't know how you're gonna calculate in terms of the actual uh, use case. You know, yep. the actual uh, purpose. I suppose yep. you need to go and put that into your equation as well somehow. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna do it in an actual numerical calculation, I guess. You're gonna to have to put a value on what a use case is, so that you know mm-hmm. um, you can then compare apples to apples when you when you actually calculate it. Um, yeah. So yeah, for for me, really, you know, coming back to the the laptop topic, you know, we we start we we, we thought about this because we we're talking about you know is the three thousand dollar MacBook Pro the new one yeah. is it worth spending money on or, or should you just get a a Lenovo twelve hundred dollars and mm-hmm. you know sort of operate, you know probably do the same thing, but. Again, I think use case is going to come into it, isn't it? Because for some people, twelve hundred dollars is probably better value for money than the three thousand dollars. If yeah. all they're going to be doing on it is, you know, do a few spreadsheets, browse the internet, watch YouTube, and you know, do very light tasks. But yeah. if somebody who's going to do, you know, heavy video editing, image editing, of course, three thousand oh, yeah. dollars is way better value for money because they're going to be less frustrated. Amazing. They're going to actually be able to create their content a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Have more power, be able to do it in more seamlessly, and all that fun stuff. And and having macOS, you know, yeah. is an advantage for some people, uh, for example. So, Definitely. and I've even I've been like I've been looking at uh, and eyeing off like RTX 3080 graphics cards. I recently upgraded to a RTX 2060 when the graphics card shortage was on, just as they were being announced. And I'm like, Ooh, do I want one? I want one. I definitely want one. But will it be, like, if I want faster video editing and video rendering, will it make a difference? And I was starting to watch YouTube videos about that. And I was like, oh, you might be able to get more kind of frames per second in games or you might be able to mine more Bitcoin or... But it looks like there'll be little difference, maybe, like, 1% difference between the, this generation and the next one in terms of actually encoding and exporting video. And I'm like... That's why I want it. That's going to be, don't make much of a difference. And even when I look at my current card, it's just like I'd probably spend more to get more performance by actually managing the cooling properly because like I can see that it's overheating because I'm pushing it to its max, but I'm not, I don't think I'm cooling it properly because um, it's able to hit that 82 degrees Celsius that I'm getting little messages in command line things that I'm running to my Bitcoin Oh, yeah. performance is degraded. Core temperature, 101 degrees Celsius. Graphics card, 82 degrees Celsius. And I'm like, oh, if I potentially upgrade, I'm still going to have a heating issue. And I'm not going to yeah. get the value. Exactly. Um, sometimes there's other things that stop you from getting the maximum performance or maximum value from the thing. Like if you don't change the oil on your car... Regardless of the car it is, you're going to have a problem. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, again, I think some people, you know, that, that's probably a good example of value for money. You know what? It is it is annoying to spend, you know, say $300 every six months or every year to, mm. ma- to service your car, for example, yep. you know, $300. But it is more expensive to go and repair something that breaks because you didn't do that service. So, yep. yes, you know what? Spend $600 a year to maintain your car, but mm. it'll avoid a $2,000 problem that could come. Definitely. Yes, you know what? 
that problem may come, say, two years down the road or three years down the road. But you know what? The just the, mm. the fact that you, you're gonna have that issue could also um, start spreading to other parts of the car, yeah, um, and cause more damage elsewhere. Which means you know, it's just mm-hmm. gonna lead to a car that's constantly um, having issues. Yeah. Yet if you maintain a car, you usually don't have any problem with it. You just mm. just keep using it, you know, as is. Like uh, I've been, you know, I, I bought a, a Honda Jazz back years ago and it's because i service it every year yeah. you know do all the maintenance on it the car just runs like it just yeah, doesn't go smoothly yeah it, it does not cause any problem um you know and you do the standard maintenance you know you change the battery every couple of years and do mm. all the normal things you know and the car just like i said for me again you know talking about car gems right like, we're talking about value for money here with yeah. cars like yeah. i bought that car secondhand i've been using it for four years currently my the cars uh has cost me about fifteen hundred dollars a year. Yeah. So had I bought, bought a new car, my depreciation on a new car would probably be more than fifteen hundred dollars yeah. a year potentially. Yeah. Um, you know, not including all the maintenance that comes with um mm. having a more modern car as well. So yeah, and even like I think that's one of my financial regrets as a younger person buying a car new off the car parking lot for $19.99, $20,000 effectively, and being like not realizing how much it would depreciate, how quickly. Um, and it's still going to do the same thing. It's going to get you to A to B. Running costs are going to be yeah. relatively similar. Back in 2013, I could have potentially got a 10K car, similar quality, potentially greater value for money, and I could have gone and put the other $10,000 in Bitcoin. Like, yes, I mean, yeah, you, you know, you, but when you talk about you could have, yeah, definitely. Could have, but I should have didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I think it's the same for every, anything. Yeah. Really. I think we, we could have put money into stocks so we could, you know, could have yeah. done anything else basically. Mm. But yeah, that's a good example. So you bought that car in 2013. So that's eight years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that car was $20,000. So that car now, I mean, have you looked at the current value on a, on, on a used market for that car? I, I haven't looked it up. I've always just kind of do, done the agreed value with my insurer. Yeah. Well, so what's the current agreed value on it? I think, well, I think we'd be pushing $12,000 at the moment. Mm, but I doubt it's worth $12,000 on a, on a secondhand market. Yeah. And nor if we trade it in. Um, yeah. So you can imagine. So let's just say that car now has lost, let's just say $12,000 of yeah. value since you bought it, right? Like probably can get $8,000 from a, from a dealer on a, on a, on a trade-in, for example, yeah? yeah? So, it's so you, more than yeah, 12,000, eight years. So, you know, I don't know. I guess the car has cost you how much so far? Uh, 12 divided by eight. You know, so that's... Let me more just than that, but yeah, about about twelve hundred dollars a year or something like that, more yeah. or less. Yeah. So you know, and if you would have had a ten thousand, if you would have bought your car for ten thousand dollars, the car would have cost you maybe five hundred dollars a year. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, because you probably could sell it for I don't know four thousand or three thousand dollars when you when you go and offload it. Yeah, and it's like different circumstances, different amounts each time. Correct. So, you know, like I said, for my car, so far, yes, you know, I bought it for six. I probably could sell it now for about four and a half. Yeah. So the car only cost me about, what, 2,000 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, technically, right? Yeah. Let's just say $2,000. It's going to be just the pure value of the car. 
So basically, the only shoe that I cut for me every year was only five hundred dollars in depreciation. See how good yeah. is that? <laughs> yeah, versus yeah, twelve or thirty nine dollars. So yeah, I even though it's twelve thousand divided by eight, fifteen hundred. So yeah. it's even even more. Uh, <laughs> so you know, my my car only cost me yeah. a third of what you what it cost you. Yet you know what my car functioned exactly the same as yours in terms yeah. of getting me from A to B. Yeah. Uh, you know, fuel efficiency would probably be about sitting on on par. Something similar. Potentially, the um, jazz is even a little bit better than the i thirty. Well, yeah, imagine if we put our car side by side and then see how much we can fit in it. I potentially could fit more stuff into it, potentially, yeah. with the seating configuration. So, again, you know, this is just, when we talk about value for money, mm. like I said, we also need to take away the emotional side of it because, you know, especially with things like cars and and, and branded goods, there's mm. going to be an emotional side to it, you know, where yeah. the the brand uh, has a certain value um, mm. and it you know, you need to remove all the functionality and everything, every, every other comparison because, you know, it's not going to do any, any better, you know. Yeah. A $5 bag will contain the same amount of volume as mm. a $5,000 bag that is a brand if they are the same dimension, for example. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it will oh. contain the same amount of volume. You know, you can carry the same amount of stuff. Mm. Um, and the only difference is going to be the material that it's made of and the brand that, that has it, you know, in front of it. Yeah, and but I mean, functionality is not going to improve it. Yeah, and I'm even looking at like the Apple lineup for the Max, and I'm like the M1 Pros, the M1 Max, top of the line, five thousand ish dollars. Do I just save up, wait for the comparison tests to come out, and potentially upgrade a desktop PC with five thousand dollars? Will I get more performance per dollar than what Mac's doing? But what Apple's been doing has been incredibly innovative. Like the way they've architectured their new design with the new chip, about it's just lightning fast. Correct. And but Intel have even published statements that they're trying to do something like that. It's like, do I wait? Do I go? Do I <laughs> do I wait for the future technology that hasn't yet been made, but will potentially yeah. catch and up? Um, correct. And then if you think about it, and then you know if you go sit down and actually look at your use case, right? Mm. Will your actual use case utilizes all those innovation now probably not you know maybe 40 percent of it now if you look at 40 percent of the five thousand dollars that you're going to spend that's only what two thousand dollars that you're actually going to use out of your five grand the three grand is going to be sitting there dormant not doing anything and you know what by the time you actually end up using it that three thousand dollars is no longer worth three thousand dollars because the $3,000 $3,000 that you could have spent later on would probably be better than that $5,000 you spent earlier. You know what I mean? Like exactly. it's all, especially the technologies in this, in this oh, situation. Yeah. So two years and someone's released a new graphics card or a new something that will outperform the previous generation. hundred percent. I mean, Apple did exactly that, right? Mm. And, you know, they released the M1 and then now they just released the M1 Pro that out, actually outperformed the M1, you know, which is outperformed their own stuff. That was only what, a year ago? You know, yep. a year and a half ago when they yep. released the M1. So... Think about that. You're like, well, look at those suckers. You know, they just spent all their money on. I mean, I, I think Apple is smart in terms of they didn't release a 13 inch, yeah. $1,800 M1 Pro because that would destroy the M1 like customer yeah. base. They'll just oh. be, you know, they'll make them all dirty. But they they smart by releasing a 14 and a 16 that you know that way you don't go and saturate your 13 inch market. Yeah. Then you got the different kind of tiers of yeah. So eighteen hundred. The next one is three thousand dollars, right? So hobbyists, and then like the pro users who are going to be using the graphics, the video editing, 
machine yeah, learning. But the, 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 I guess, yeah, you're right. All that part is fine if, you know, if, if the uh, vendor has gone and, and basically written specifically for mm. that particular um, infrastructure, but uh, the, you know, the, the platform, but majority of the vendors at the moment are writing for the most common platform, yeah. which is Intel. Yeah. And AMD is a platform. PCs. You know what I mean? Uh, no one's writing the codes for the M1 because one is the use base is not that wide. Mm. So yes, fantastic for the big giant companies that can afford to go and write two um, code base. You know, yeah. the Adobe's of the world, you know, they can afford to write an, uh, mm-hmm. an ARM based code base and an yeah. Intel slash x86, x64 mm-hmm. architecture uh, base. But how about the companies that can't? You know, they're not going to do it. You know, they're not going to yeah. write two code bases. They're like, nah, just have rely on Rosetta 2 to do the translation for them and exactly but you know but you're not going to get any performance enhancements in when you start doing that are you so you know it's 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 like me uh, playing a a PS4 game on a PS5 I probably won't get any too much of a unless the developer decides to put the upgrades in there to make it so that you're actually getting the benefit of putting on a more powerful Mm -hmm. system so yeah It'll yeah, be there you go. Really interesting to see what, what direction it goes. Um, any other kind of closing thoughts on value for money when you're thinking about purchases? How, like, how do we think about our hobbies, value for money? We've talked about kind of cinema versus video games previously. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, I mean, it's funny thing is when it comes to hobbies, then it all comes down to how much enjoyment are you going to get out of it, right? Mm. I mean, I think we, we discussed this as well yeah. with video games, isn't it? Like, uh, a, a $50, okay, maybe like, let's go full price, a $70 game, $69 yeah. is standard price, right? For these days for a new yeah. game or 79, I think in Australia. A $70 game is going to get you uh, 50 hours of enjoyment. It's definitely better value for money than a, a you know, a session at the cinema. Yeah. Or 40 bucks, you know, when you go with, you got to go with someone. I, I can't imagine you go to, to the movies. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and and so when you when you go take your, your spouse to the movies, yeah, Two people, at least fifty bucks, yeah, minimum. Yeah. Not including all the snacks that you're gonna Popcorn, buy with drinks, it. anything else. Pizza, two hours, pizza. so it's twenty five dollars an hour mm-hmm. uh, versus a eighty dollar game that's gonna get you even. Let's just say a short game get get you forty hours. Mm-hmm. So two dollars an hour, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like yeah. it's 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 you know chalk and cheese, you know. Oh, yeah. So when it comes to hobbies, that's what I mean, like. Uh, Example, my new hobby is uh, motorcycle. Right? I just got into it. I really like doing it. Um, I really like riding it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? People think that when you buy a motorcycle, it's cheap. But no, there's so many other additional costs that yeah. come with it. But the enjoyment, I got to put some value against that enjoyment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I, can, I could just drive my car. Yes, yeah. you'll do exactly the same thing. But it's all about the enjoyment of feeling the air on your you know, on you while you ride yeah. and the freedom and all that fun stuff. And get to work on it, learning how to, you know, do all the things. I think that's the value that you need to add into it when, you know, my yeah. motorcycle probably cost me all up about two grand, you know, but mm-hmm. yes, I could achieve the same purpose with my car, but uh, you know what, actually it came with a, with a need. So, you know, because yeah. my wife started using the car, I needed a second transport and yeah. ended up being cheaper than buying a second car, for example. Yeah, so exactly. it's a value for money again. Yeah, I'm the only one who's gonna use it. I, I I only take myself to work. I don't go and carpool with four other people. Mm-hmm. So why do I need a, a a motor transport that can carry five people when there's only one person using yeah, it? Exactly. And your air conditioning is now open and organic. <laughs> it's <laughs> free air conditioning. Just, 
<laughs> Actually, in the winter, there's no heater, so you know, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's drawbacks. <laughs> you have to buy your own warm gloves. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's my closing remark is yes, yeah. you know, you, there, there are going to be some values that you can't quantify purely on, yeah. on, on numbers, you know, like I said, you know, enjoyment, Definitely. Uh, you know, purpose, all that kind of stuff. Mm. And so, I, like, I'm I just thinking about it. I spend money looking at guides for wine and tasting notes and like estimates for how long a wine will sell for because I'm trying to find a wine instead of paying ridiculous amounts on something like a Grange, which is 950-ish dollars that'll last an age for like 30 years or more. Can I find other wines that are $50 or $25 that'll go for a decade or two um, that'll have longevity for better for value for money so that, you're spending a dollar per year of aging compared to ten or a hundred per year of aging. Um, there you go. Which is just yeah, a really interesting and fun exercise because it's enjoying the process of finding the value as well. Is probably the closing remark I'd make about that. Is like the process of finding value can have a reward in and of itself. Yeah, hundred percent. Agree with you. It's good. And with that, thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of kitchen conversations rama how did you describe kitchen conversations to me earlier we don't script it <laughs> yeah so i guess yeah we were talking about this i guess this is i guess one podcast right that is purely unscripted and you know what uh you know to let the secret out of the bag sometimes james and i come up with topic about five minutes before we start recording so and and can you imagine trying to script your conversation with your work colleague uh, in a ki- in, in a work kitchen, um, and imagine that you know, have a piece of paper, both of you, and you're gonna go and read it out while you have a conversation. It's not gonna be fluid. It's not yeah. gonna be natural. So James and I try to keep the essence of our kitchen conversation just like that. Yeah, an actual conversation. The authentic and genuine fly on the wall experience of what it would have been like if me and lunch, me and Rama were having lunch at work in the kitchen and just talking about whatever came up that day. Correct. <laughs> I guess what, one thing that I couldn't maintain is the comment that I would make on the food that you eat <laughs> but, you know, because we're not actually eating yeah, anything while we're doing it. That's a very, very, very good point. Because um. <laughs> <laughs> James will eat the most random things that you're like, wait, that doesn't seem to go together, but for him, it seems to work. Yeah, a little um, bit of a know. trial and error experimentation. <laughs> Did you know you can make it pasta? You can cook your pasta with boiling water and an AeroPress. You just keep pouring, <laughs> instead of like keeping the pot there and boiling it, you just keep pouring boiling water through the pasta, through the filter of the coffee maker. <laughs> <laughs> Things you learn. Or if you make flour and, and yogurt, Greek yogurt specifically together, and then roll it out from a glass with a cupboard, and put it in the toaster. You can make a makeshift naan bread. <laughs> yes. And yes, and I have seen him make this. So, so like I said, sometimes I'm, I wonder about the combinations that he eat or the amount or the frequency. Um, I comment on a lot of those things that I can't really, re- um, I guess, uh, recreate in our podcast, unfortunately. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's one thing that you guys probably get to see if you were a fly on the wall yeah. in in our, in our old office kitchen. But, you know, unfortunately, guys, yeah. I can't comment on those. Yeah, you miss out on the podcast. random things I try and do and experiment with food. But otherwise, thank you all <laughs> for tuning in to another episode of Kitchen Conversation. Stay safe, stay healthy, and make sure you follow your public health orders.
see you in the next episode. Bye, everyone. Bye.